We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash hack it out. Just go to Indeed.com slash hack it out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash hack it out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Hack It Out Golf Podcast. Myself and Lou Stagner, we're talking swing changes today. I've done a video literally this week talking about some swing changes I might do um, or might not. I'm still debating it and I'm pretty sure Lou's had a few swing changes in his days. Um, Let's talk about swing changes and if they're worth doing or not as an avid wanting to improve golfer. So, Lou, welcome. I went to um, Norway, just gone this week. Uh, lucky enough to go and visit the Swing Catalyst uh, crew with their dual force plates. I use force plates in my studio. And I got some time to chat with Dr. Scott Lynn, who specializes in these kind of things. And we talked about a few changes in my swing. I did a video on it on my YouTube channel if anyone wants to see what changes I'm contemplating making. Um, and even though the, the swing changes make perfect sense in my head, and they make perfect sense of why they could work. There's a big part of me that thinks, well, I play to a standard that I'm kind of happy with. I don't compete anymore. I film and I'm like, just, I don't lose many balls and I tend to enjoy it. So there's a big part of me that thinks like, why would I ever bother doing such a big change? And I think that's one of the double-edged swords with swing changes. I'm sure you thought similar things as an amateur, keen amateur golfer of new swing changes. What are your fights been like in the past? Well, I mean, my swing changes from swing to swing, and I think that's why I need a swing change. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I'm curious to hear more about um, like what precipitated you talking about changing your swing. Like you were there, you're at Swing Catalyst. Right, is somebody looking at your swing? Is this something you came up yeah, with so- on your own or, or what's the, uh, what's the genesis? So I dabbled with it in one of the first lockdowns. So basically, I am someone who is happy to present quite a lot of loft. So I can hit a driver with nine. I've got a nine degree driver and I can easily present 20 degrees of loft if I'm not concentrating. So I'm very good at adding loft to clubs. Are you flipping it at the bottom? Or are you... So the, the clubs just get slightly ahead at the bottom, yes. So I'm keeping it, you know, I'm hitting it pretty neutral, but I'm getting okay. a little bit of minus handle lean, if you like. So uh, a medium iron, I won't de-loft it quite as much as other players. So I do de-loft a medium iron, so I have handle lean with my irons, but not as much. I'm also hitting four to six up with my driver as well, and that doesn't always correlate with loft but it can do for lots of people um so i have to concentrate on keeping loft down because what happens when i look at my ball speed as soon as my, if i keep my loft around 
14, 15, 16 degrees, I can average 160 ball speeds, which for me is an improvement on where I was about a year ago, around 150 ball speeds. If I get my loft up at one at around 18, 19, 20 degrees when I'm not concentrating, I can get my swing speed getting up. So my swing speed goes up, I can get up to like 115s, but my ball speed doesn't go up in relationship to how much speed I'm at it because I lose it in loft. And it's something I've always done. Um, Anyone who plays with me, I'm very good at keeping the ball on the straight and narrow. So if you think about loft, it's complicated on a podcast to explain, but loft is three-dimensional. It's not people just think it's like, you know, a flat surface that points up or down. Well, you can twist the face open to a path and close to the path and in turn the loft can change. Um, so I, I was always very good at being quite neutral with loft, delivering a very consistent loft. So my miss is generally kind of to the flag and short. Like I'm not someone who can, I'm very rarely flying greens where other people I've played with who are much more strong D lofters, they can hit a seven iron, let's say with 28 degrees of dynamic delivered loft. And then the very next seven iron, they deliver it with 24. And all of a sudden that one flies the green by 10 yards. That's not me. I've never ever been that player i'm always to the flag and short and as a general rule the courses i would play i always would say if you can see your ball after you've hit it generally you're going to make a score the guys who are hitting it with lots of d loft and sending it 20 yards over the green on the odd shot like they're literally losing that ball like so let me let me ask it's a hedge yeah let me ask him why you would want to d loft why would you have why why do you want to have more forward shaft lean? Like what's the benefit to being, you know, you're you're neutral with your driver? What's the benefit to having two degrees? And I don't know what the right number is, but two degrees of yeah, forward yeah. shaft lean versus being neutral. Like what's the benefit other than I think it's really around the energy delivered to the ball, right? So yeah, well, there's a couple of benefits for me. So it's the way I do it. So basically, if I deliver a little bit less loft, the speeds don't have to jump to get the same distances. So I can feel if I'm adding loft, I have to swing out my boots to get the ball speeds where I want them to go. But if I take the loft off, because I've got no problem with launches and the ball peak heighting, um, I can get good distances without me feeling like I'm out of my boots. The second thing that happens is my strike improves with irons and longer fairway clubs. So I tend to hit the ball a lot out the bottom of the club. If you imagine, uh, it's very hard again in a podcast, but if you get hold of your like your long iron or a hybrid or a fairway wood, when you're at home listening to this, if you just put a ball on a flat surface like a, a tabletop and you lean the shaft forward, you'll see that the ball touches higher up the face than it does if you lean the shaft back of the loft. Then what happens is, ball will naturally touch more the bottom of the club i'm we call it skank golf as a joke when i play i'm very good at playing skank golf so i catch it a little bit thin about the bottom short right on the green two putts off i go and i'm like making a safe par kind of stuff so my strike improves if my loft delivery changes my power delivery is better without me having Wait, I, I, gotta pa- I, gotta, I gotta stop you there so you, when you say your strike is better so what is the benefit to hitting the ball um less on the bottom of the face like what what's it going to do differently at that point and these are often yeah yeah i mean again it might not do anything this is stuff i've got to test but when i've tested it in very dry situations so controlled situations i generally get my ball up to the position i want it to go a lot more i don't have that short miss so let's say i'm hitting 10 approaches 
I'm going to hit six slightly clean, going kind of a bit short and being averaging, let's say, 25 foot away, where if they rule much better strikes, they might start averaging 17 foot away because they just push up to that flag a little bit more or my target area, regardless, you know, depending on what I'm aiming at. So what happens is my dispersion short and long will just tighten up a fraction, which again, if I'm good at, if I'm good at selecting the right targets or whatever, that's only going to give me a few shorter putts. Um, And it certainly will help with strikes on the longer fairway shots. That's the ones where let's say I've got 260 in, which unfortunately I have far too often, say on par fives. If I'm striking, I can strike a three without the bottom quite average and it goes 220. You know, that's a massive difference for me ripping it out the middle or getting even slightly high on the face to get that low spin kind of bomb ball, which is going 240 to 250 in the air and getting up to the greenside bunkers in two on par fives rather than me being 40-yard pitches in. Again, that would be strike-related ideas for how I deliver that loft. Does that that make sense? It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It, it does make sense. So I'm, I'm curious. You're going to go through a few more things, and then I have a bunch of questions for you. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the other thing that happens when I change how I deliver loft is I do use the ground in a stronger way. So there is potential for a bit more speed. So what happens when I use the loft in a different way without getting too technical and everyone going to sleep? Um, I basically have a different braking system, if you like, as I come through to hit the ball with my body. The way I push in the ground is very different um, and without testing it. But you would argue the way I break on the ground when I go to a more unlofted delivery has got the potential to be stronger than when I use lots of loft where my it's my horizontal force basically so pushing if you think you know horizontally along the ground um strengthens up i have a better break i don't have to use my jump to break i can use a bit of horizontal which then in turn gives me those better strikes well again it's all a bit anecdotal better strikes that's yet to be proven over time but that's the feeling that i have with this change and that's the feeling that me and if I showed these the data that I captured to lots of talk, golf, uh, you know, golf pros who use say the swing cap plates might want me to um, investigate a bit more. And again, I think the best coaches in the world, the ones I certainly talk to, would say, "We don't know if this is better. This is definitely something we would be interested in investigating." Meaning, now I have to choose: Do I want to investigate that? And what I mean by that is, do I want to change? And and the swing change requires me to make quite a brutal feeling inadverted commas feelings um change to my grip to the way i hold a club like i have to feel like i'm really strong because i'm naturally a neutral to weak holder of the club i'm quite natural to weak and i have to feel like i'm going very strong and that then makes me feel like my miss might be massive if i'm changing my grip so much so it's those questions you know that go through my head which uh, is so funny as i do it because i just hear myself talking to myself like I would talk to a student like and I think sometimes it's so good for a coach to just brutalize yourself as hard as possible in a lesson environment you know teach yourself try and change something that you don't feel comfortable with 
because so often in a lesson, I think it's so easy for us pros just to go, you need to change this. And the students go, well, that just feels awful. That feels awful. And it's very easy as a, as a, as a coach to think, oh, stop whinging. It's not that hard. It's a tiny change, but a tiny change can feel massive for a student. So I think it's sure. really good for golf pros to do these kind of processes to um, help them be better coaches. They, they, they learn a bit of empathy, for want of a better word. They learn a bit of real coaching skills you know you've got to have the knowledge and understand all the different texts and what they deliver and measure that's all great but you've still got to relate to a human being who could be making it making them feel really uncomfortable and that needs their hands holding a little bit so they're the dilemmas i'm going for which i'm sure lots of our listeners have gone through yeah and that's that's what i was just about to bring up is what you're talking about is what uh, many of us have gone through or are going through like when yeah. you think about embarking on a swing change, you uh, like some of the things I've thought of in the past is, well, I'm, I'm going to get a lot worse before I'm going to get better. And do I want to do that? Do I want yes. to suffer through playing horrible golf for a certain period of time before I'm going to be able to um, you know, benefit from this change? And, and then I always wonder, uh, am I going to actually get better? after this change, like, am I going yeah. to, I, I might get worse. Like I may introduce something into my swing that, you know, on paper sounds great, but it, it ultimately makes, makes me worse. So as I think about, and I'm about ready to go into trying to change my swing in the off season. Um, okay, good. And so how would you talk to a player um, and help them decide on whether or not they should make a swing change. How do we know if we should make a swing change? Yeah, yeah. That's a really good question. I mean, the way I start, and I would start for students as well, is there needs to be some measured ideas, stroke facts, stroke data, for want of a better word. And I don't like using the word data because, you know, instantly some students like switch off as soon as you say data because they work so much in fields. But I would want some measured facts that what we're talking about will make a change. So for instance, I know if I make my change, the loft I deliver is different. Then in turn, I know that my strike has the possibility and has done on some occasions, it develops and changes. Then I also know that I push in the ground differently, which might give me some advantages in trying to get more speed, which you got to remember for me, like I hit the ball pretty straight. Like I said, I play at a pretty reasonable level for what I want. Um, but I'm not, I, I'm, I'm flatlining, you know, I'm not going, I'm waiting for those days where I hit, you know, six approaches within 15 foot and hole four of them, which, you know, they come every once, every four months, maybe I'm not, I'm not pushing forwards. I'm flatlining. So for me to want to move away from that flat line, I would definitely want best practices to be that it's not on some whim, on some myth. It's not because it looks better on camera, those kind of things. I think they're the big holes that people go down. And then the other thing that I would need to do if I'm going to do it, and this is the hard one for students, is I would need to have, and I always say this to students, I need to have a certain number of rounds or practice sessions committed to this idea i don't want you coming back with seven other ideas because now the water's just so muddy we have no idea which one was doing what 
Does that make sense? So let's say I was going to do this. I need to do this for a period of time. I need to put five or 10 rounds in on my shot scope to see what happens to any of the data. Oh, look, it's not moving. I might as well just go back to what I feel comfortable. Or, you know, I need to have a certain level of commitment. And I think often that's the hardest thing for students not to get lost going around, around the houses. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So what um, what's a game plan? So you're thinking about going through this for yourself, which is very different yeah. than what you're typically doing. So if you were a, working with a student on this, what typically is your game plan on how you go about approaching uh, a change? And, and we should maybe talk a little bit about the idea of a, a big change versus a little change uh, and, and what those are. And, and like for you, making a grip change sounds like for you, that would be a very big change, even though it sounds very simple. It's a completely new and different feel. So what is your game plan when you work with a student on helping them to make a big change? What do you, what do, you do? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think it's so student specific. Obviously, it would relate. You, you'd have to know what time and energy the student has to give back to you and the cause for want of a better word does that make sense you yeah know, so let's use me if, as if an they example. were a full-time player okay yeah. if you took you let's use me obviously so I, yeah, will... I would want a certain amount of off-course practice i would need to know that you're going to give me off course in your golf dungeon because i know you've got a net at home we've had lessons and you've told me kind of stuff I would need to set a plan out for you to say, look, for this grip to feel familiar, let's say it's a grip change for you, you know, I need you hitting X amount of balls every week or at least swinging a club every week at home. Because if you just come to me once a week for a lesson or once every two weeks for a lesson, we're literally going to take months to change anything. So for someone like you, I would definitely be quizzing you and asking if you're going to commit to a certain amount of um off course time because i know your on course time might be so limited it's going to be limited to once a week possibly kind of stuff right so with with changes like a grip change or i I know one of the things i want to work on is my takeaway uh, because i think my takeaway gets me into um some challenging positions and it's just compensations after that and okay. so going through and making a grip change, how would you how would you do that for yourself? Would you stand in a mirror and just grip and re-grip the club 100 times a day? Uh, or is there some other yeah. way you would try to make a grip change? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So for me, it's not as difficult because obviously you've got to remember I have tried many, many grips because obviously as a coach, you do actually well i used to and still do a little bit like i see someone do something in a certain way and i try to replicate it how are they doing that how are they thinking that's the way you do it all right if i grip it like they're doing it it makes loads of sense that they get into whatever position i see and then in turn whatever delivery they deliver ah okay so to unpick that how would i unpick that so you got to remember i'm a little different because even it feels odd 
it's not hard for me to put my grip in that position. Like it's a mental difficulty. It's not a physical difficulty where with students, what I find it's a combination of physical and mental difficulty. They hate the way it feels and they just struggle to get their hand into a certain position. Like they just don't want to put it in there where for me, I'm more sure. So what about anywhere? Like, so those so people, you're, you're picking not the club up every day. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not fair because you are always testing Correct. and tinkering and doing things. Yeah. So for a student, if you like, I have a very strong grip. And, and if I were to change my, my grip a little bit, how would you attack telling me just to change my grip? What, what would the process look like? So the, the first thing, I, yeah, the first thing I would need to make sure you understand is the position it needs to get into. Okay. So I wouldn't want you just nodding your head going, yeah, I understand where that needs to get. I would want you to be able to replicate that in front of me over a session. Do you see what I mean? So right. I would be getting you to do it. And then I would be giving you a different club. So you take your hands off the club and resetting it. How do you do it with this loft? How do you do it with that loft? How do you do it with this loft? Because you've got to remember people's grips can change with loft. Does that make sense? So they might chip with a lofted club with a different grip, stronger or weaker to how they might hold their driver because it's a different wrist angle. It's a different action that they're playing. So they might change their grip. So for, let's say it's you changing your grip. I would have to be definitely sure that you understand where that grip needs to be. You know, if I was really committed and the, and the program that you were signed up to allowed for content uh, contact between lessons, which is stuff I do with students as well, I would be wanting you to send me videos or pictures of that grip in between physical viewing, you know, where we actually meet, like, just, can you reassure me that you know where that grip needs to be? That's the first one, because that, that, you'll be amazed how many people, students, they come into the teaching bay, you show them how to hold it differently and they feel it, feel it comfortable. They go out in the range, they come out through the pro shop and you catch them and go, how's that grip feeling? They go, yeah, yeah, it feels great. And I go to them, can you just show me it again? And they show you, they show you it and you think, that wasn't where it was, was it really? Come on. <laughs> uh, no wonder it feels great. It's no yeah. different. So sure. that's the first thing. I need to make sure you understand the positioning of it. Then the next thing, when you work with a student one-to-one, you'll see how big of a fight you're putting up. Does that make sense? So some students fight, like kick and stream. You change yeah, their grip. Yeah, that makes they, sense. Yeah. Oh, I can't do this. Oh, it feels so tough. You know, they give it the real, like, school sure. child, whingy, whingy. And you think, okay, they're going to need more hand holding. So I want you to pick the club up five minutes a day at home, like before you go to work, when you get home from work, waggle it around in whatever hand, lead or trail, depending on which one you're changing or both. Um, and get used to moving that club and that loft around with that hold. And then if you can swing in the garden doing it, and then in turn, if you can get to the range doing it, do it as much as possible. The people who don't whinge as much, you you, you know, I, I would leave them to their own devices a little bit more to find their sweet spot of amount of practice to get that change. Some so people don't need it to be drilled they'll find it themselves so once you work with a student so let's say you're working with a grip change with me and you make sure i know how to hold it right you know where yeah. uh the, the the right position is for the change we're trying to make and i practice that over and over again and so let's say you know i do 50 reps a day for a week straight and i feel yeah 
uh, I get very comfortable with putting my hands on the golf club with the grip that you want me to use. After that, are you progressing to like small chip shots and, and then pitch shots and then wedge shots? Are you like, are, how are you putting that into play hitting golf balls? Yeah. Do I, do I take the new grip and start ripping drivers or do I do, do it differently? It's a really good question because the biggest problem, and I kind of hinted at it earlier, is that when you change a grip, most people listening will be changing with like a medium iron in their lessons. I, I never did that. I was always getting people to do every loft. So I would be getting them to do it with a club they feel comfortable with. Then I'd give it, you know, give them a club that I knew that they struggled with. And then I'd give them a club that had a very different loft. So at the bottom or the top end to see if they could keep replicating a hole because generally and this is a generalization but it's a you know it catches most people you're, you're not changing grip much for different clubs like some people do like i said earlier like i've always had a slightly weaker chipping grip and then a less weak full shot grip even though it is weak um but i'm you know people aren't really changing their grip as a standard i'm a bit different in that way so i would definitely be getting them to do it with with different lofts to see how they react and do it because people will change. They'll pick up their driver and use this thing. There's no way they're going to feel confident to, to move their grip this way. But yeah. this is the other thing you've got to do. If we're going to, let's say if we are focusing on grip for this change, what happens when you change someone's grip is you'll throw out one of the other matchups. So I used to say to people, let's pretend you've got a strong grip. So hold on. And, I'm going to pause you there. Explain. Yeah. Like, cause that's a term that you people hear and they see match up um, just kind of a, a quick 15 seconds on what that means. Just so everybody's clear on what a matchup means. So basically if you've got a grip and let's call that grip incorrect, you don't hit only bad shots. You hit some good shots. So what that grip does is it promotes a good delivery sometimes. So you're doing another movement that balances out whatever that grip is doing to the face you just don't do it enough so you come for a lesson because you've got a problem shot you've got let's say we just go totally stereotypical here strong grip so too many knuckles on lead hand twisted too far around the club and you have big hooks so big right to left curvature curving shots as a right-handed player but you don't hit every shot that way you hit some good ones so something else happens in your motion in your action that allows you to balance the got face it. And you override that grip. So what happens if you take that grip away overnight or just within a second, you just whip that grip away from a golfer? Well, now they have another balanced bad shot because what they were doing with the face won't work. So where the face was being delivered straight to left, now when you take that grip out, it's probably going to be delivered straight to miles right because what they were doing to stop it point way left will now make it point way right because the grip won't balance that back out. So that's the idea of a matchup. You put one big kink in, but you do another big kink that balances that kink out, but they don't always marry up so you get a bad shot. If you take one big kink out, well, you've still got the other big kink in there. That doesn't always just disappear. So now you've just got a massive kink that doesn't function. So often when it comes to a grip change and other changes in the swing, I would arm them with a package of ideas. So we're going to change your grip. That's what we need to do just for, you know, discussion's sake. But by the way, if we change your grip, you're going to see this shot, this shot, and this shot. If you start seeing them shots, you need to do X, Y, and Z. Does that make sense? So I would give you a little pack 
of clues that you need to look out for when you're practicing to know that the grip is working. So you now need to put a different movement in to balance out where that grip is. Yeah, that makes sense. So I know we're talking about grip here we, because that's one of the changes you're looking at making. And yeah. I think grip is one of those things where it's not an easy change to make, but it's an easy change to, to practice because you're, you know, you're, you're generally going to work on it and not hit golf balls and you grip the club and you can look down. And, and when you're playing golf anyway, when you step up to hit a shot, you're kind of looking down it's very easy for you to just gaze at your grip with your hands on the club and see that they're in the right spot. Um, like it's let's, a static change. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about an, a change. Like I'm thinking of working, starting to work on just my takeaway and, and coming up with uh, working on uh, getting that takeaway where I need it to be, where I want it to be, where it should be. Um, that's a little bit different to work on. So somebody like me, that's going to work on takeaway. And I don't want to get into like what, you know, what, why I'm working on it, what I'm doing, like just anyone that's working on their takeaway. How would you go about doing that with somebody? Is it slow work in the mirror? Is it is it video work? And we're assuming they know what they're supposed to be working on. So after you've worked with them and you've explained to them the change they're trying to make, how are you having somebody like me monitor that I'm, I'm doing that? Am I, am I doing, am I starting with a lot of really, really small motions that I'm repeating and I'm somehow checking in a mirror or I'm somehow checking with video and then I get, uh, and then I expand from there. So what, what does that look like for someone trying to make a change like a, a you know, new takeaway. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a few ways you can work on that. First point I will make, and I know you don't want to answer this in relationship to yourself, but let's take someone else who's working on their takeaway. The first question I would always ask them is why? Why are you working on your takeaway? What, what's the end goal? So I would only change my, did you notice how I spoke when I talked about my change? It was basically built around delivery. There will be a different delivery. So that's the first alarm bell stroke question i want people just to be aware if you are working on a change so lou's working on his takeaway and he doesn't want to say why he's doing it and that's fine but for anyone listening if you're working on your takeaway you need to have the answer of why it's because and the answer isn't because oh i get into better positions the answer needs to be because when i take the club away how i want to i will curve the ball less because my delivery is better i'll strike it better it has to relate to delivery. If it doesn't, then you're not going around it the right way. Now, in answer to your actual question, like, you know, best way of doing it, again, you got to remember with all coaching, it's so player specific. So I would try and work out in a session with you, for instance, if you react well to drills. So I want you to do this movement in front of a reflection in a mirror or a reflection in your door over and over and over and over again, no ball. Like, do you react well to that? And what I mean by react well to that is, A, can you see the reflection and if it's in the position that you want it to be, so we want it to be, and B, will you do it? You know, because there's right. like, if you give if, if you give drills to my dad who plays, 
he isn't going to drill anything. He plays golf. <laughs> he, ain't, he ain't drilling. He, he wants some ideas of what he can do when he's playing golf. So you've got to tailor it to that student. Some students, you've got to overwork them. So I don't mean as in do more repeats than say you, Lou. I mean, they need to, let's say you want your takeaway to go more towards you, what people would call more inside. Right. Some people, you have to make them overthink that. So I want you to go ridiculously inside. Like I want you to really go as far inside as you can for a week and come back to me next week and show me how far inside you can be on that takeaway and hit shots, knowing that they don't, they won't ever really go that far inside because you've worked with them and you just think that whenever I tell this person to do something, they do it to the smallest amount. Sure. So what I need to use is big words, big exaggerations. I want you to go from 50 cigarettes to a day to none. You know, you have right. to do that knowing that that's going to cut them down to 40. You know, you know, because if you say, I want you to go to 40, they go to 48. So you think, well, that 48 is still going to kill them. So why <laughs> would I say that? I'm going to say, I want you to go to zero, knowing that you won't go there, but uh, that might get you to 50. Um, so I think you have to work with the student to make sure that, you, you know, you are pushing them in that way. So baby movements, quick movements, small movements. So I remember speaking to a coach once about, you know, doing, I do a lot of slow motion stuff. They said, and that's all good. If that works for your student, let's go for it. What I found over time is lots of students, slow motion work just does nothing. Like it doesn't, as in they can do the slow motion work, you know, so they do slow takeaways, get it in the perfect spot, slow, deliberate takeaways, put it in a perfect spot. But as soon as they put speed in, they don't get anywhere near whatever spot or delivery you're after because it's the force that they put through the club and the way they apply those forces through the club with the speed that makes them get into the position they get in. So doing it slower, of course they can do it because they're now not putting the forces through the shaft so they can mm. do what they want with it. But when people are pulling and yanking and twisting and turning that club and shaft and themselves, now that's a bigger ask. That's when the club does start twisting offline and moving and what have you. So lots of slow motion work with them sometimes doesn't do anything. Like mm. it literally does nothing because you think, well, they're not putting those forces through the shafts. So of course they're not doing that movement now. I mean, for you, as knowing you through the podcast that we do as a friend, I would say definitely drills, reflection work, hitting in your net, things on the floor, things in the way. Some people love things on the floor and in the way. You know, don't hit this box, don't hit that rubber sure. bowl, don't hit that. Some people hate it. Like you, again, you put everything in the way of them. They miss it, they miss it, they miss it, they miss it. They move that way and then they just, they're just straight back because they, they can't relate the drill to reality. So the drill's almost doing too much for them. So let, let's ask, let me ask this question now. Um, how, how do you, like, how do you know if you're qualified to make the decision that you need a swing change? Is, is this something that players should be doing on their own? Is it something that you, you say you, you absolutely need to go to an instructor first before you try to make any of these changes? Like what, what's the prescription there for people listening that are uh, like me and headed into the winter time and maybe thinking yeah. about dabbling with their swing like how do how do you know if they should say yes or no? I should make the change. Well, I, I see a lot of dabbling that isn't doing anything. To number one, so which would suggest that lots of people obviously aren't quite qualified enough 
to do what they're doing in the dabble world. I see a lot of dabbling in swings where they come in and they show me swing A and swing B. And I just think, well, they look exactly the same. And then we measure them and they produce the exact same impact. And I just think, well, that's three months of your dabbling that, you know, I don't want to be rude, but you've just done nothing with that. Why don't we, you know, I'm glad you've come. Let's try and change something. So for most people, it's a lesson and get some professional advice. But the other thing as well, like some dabbles might make you enjoy it more. Like I enjoy dabbling because it helps me. As someone who doesn't compete anymore, it helps me with the other thing I love, which is coaching. So if you love dabbling, you love trying to hit different shots, then I wouldn't say that's bad, even if you're not seeking professional advice. That 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 quest to it, like the constantly find new feels and ideas of shots, you can do that self-prescribed. Uh, but, I mean, you, you've been on Twitter, haven't you, Lou? I am, <laughs> like, I am occasionally on, on Twitter, <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I do see some things that are crazy and I see comments on my video, like on some of the lesson ones where people say, and, and it's on both sides of the of the positive and negative spectrum that you can get online. Oh, this video is rubbish. Like I would never do that for a student because it would cause a shank. And I just think, well, I just plucked that out. They don't say that, but like that kind of female comment. And I just think this never causes a shank with any students. Like, what are you on about? And then there'll be other ones on the positive side who say, this is brilliant. This is the best lesson I've had. I'm going to do this because I reckon it will make me draw it more. And I think, well, everything I talked about in that video was actually about like hitting little fades. Uh, so so I, that does make me think getting prescribed from a professional is the better way. And it leads me back to the original point, which again, if, it, if you're getting measured, if you'll get... if I would want your changes to be measured, calculated ideas, not too much if you can help it on the whims of our ever-changing feelings in golf. Because, like, they're there, aren't they? We're pretty <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're always they're always there. So not everybody has a GC quad at home or not everybody has, you know, something to measure – their swing in three dimensions. So different positions that they're in. Um, What do you, what do you suggest for players that don't have that kind of feedback and they're trying to work on something at home over the, the off season? Are are there certain, um, you know, technologies or training aids? Like, you know, I love my training aids. Are, are there certain things that, that you, and I know it's probably player dependent and situation dependent uh, with what they're working on, but are there things um, in that space that you think are very helpful to players as they're trying to make changes? Or is it just get yourself a simple mirror and, and. Uh, yeah, well, I do think the mirror work is the best. I think if you want to actually make a physical change, let's forget speed, because we know what we've talked about that a lot. Obviously, there's great programs out there if you wanted to integrate speed and there are, you know, from stack system to other things. Um, but if you're talking about position based changes or grip based changes, setup based changes, alignment line 
based changes you know you're someone who always sets up pointing right or left and it's causing issues with your delivery so much of that can be fixed off course with simple lines on the ground simple repeating swings watching yourself in reflections filming yourself with your phones that we've all got cameras on absolutely and Again, as well, if you work with a decent pro, there's plenty of packages out there nowadays. Golf tuition's changing so much where they will commit to you even when you're not with them. They will let you send pictures of your swings, videos, you know, get a loved one to stand behind you and say, is this the idea of I think this is where I should be moving, standing, tilting, twisting. Uh, and they'll hopefully, you know, you'll have some relationship with them or you've signed up for some lesson packages where they will commit to you. Because I do think in swing changes, the most damage is done when you're away from that person you're doing it with. If you're left to your own devices and you are inquisitive brained, you know, I I've had many students come back when I was teaching full time and it was much more you know, you book a lesson every week and come and see me, they would come back to me and I would face plant, not in front of them, but, you know, I would just think, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like, just stay focused on what we're trying to do. Why are you now coming back going, oh, I'm just trying this new takeaway. I'm just trying this new shoulder turd. And you just think, well, that's not what we're, we're like. We're not doing yeah. that. Left to your, yeah. uh, if left to their own devices, they'd all come back with a swing that looks like mine. <laughs> <laughs> which as you know, is, is probably not ideal. So I was talking with a good friend of mine. Um, he's an instructor. His name's Tim Frank. So shout out to my buddy, Tim. And we were talking about um, just setup and with the students that he works with, he says, there's so many people in his opinion that would benefit so much just by working on setup um, and yeah. just, and just, constantly working setup because he, he was, you know, we were talking through it and, and I forget, um, you know, he was talking about one of his students and, and how it, it's just one of the things that they're working on. And it sounds so basic, but, and that was part of our conversation is it's, it's such a basic and simple thing to do that he said it, it in his opinion, it's, it's something that's often overlooked and people getting into the right setup is, is important. And I'm not trying to put you against Tim here in any way, but I'm curious, like what your, what, what your thoughts are on that. Well, think about my swing change. I'm talking about it stems from a whole change. Like it stems from a setup change. So yeah. you can influence so many movements in the prep that you do to make those movements. If I was going to push a broken down car down the road i am going to adopt a certain stance to try and put force through it and i'm sure anyone listening to this podcast can imagine the stance they would adopt or i'm adopted to shove that car down the road it's not going to be the same stance that i'm going to take to try and jump high in the air uh, it, it's you know it, they're different they're different forces they're different pushes and pulls um so absolutely set up has got loads of free games for amateurs. And the other thing as well, which I do want to point out, which is similar to this point, uh, and this will relate obviously to what you do a lot of, Lou, is that so many golfers can actually improve without having to change a single swing in their swing. The trouble with golf coaching is it is focused too much around these romantic ideas of, uh, of you know i mean uh, sometimes when i do my lessons and i speak to people and i talk about the forces and how i'm changing dynamic loft these kind of buzzy words that people find romantic oh god he knows 
you know, all these were he's clever and how he's worked that out. There's plenty of things lots of golfers can do with the actions that they've got at the minute, you know, from understanding sure. their patterns, from we've said it loads, using stats, things like that, um, uh, finding different targets, hitting different clubs off different tees, what they constantly, on holes, they constantly double bogey because they always edge towards the out of bounds, whatever it is. Sometimes you can get too romantic about changing a takeaway, changing a backswing, changing an angle of a downswing. And at the end of the day, that relates back to my original point about when you said working about your takeaway. And, I, you know, you don't have to tell us what you, why you're working on it, but you need to know why you're working on it. There needs I can, to be a delivered difference. Yeah. That the, 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 if the delivery isn't different, then why are we doing it is always the question I would ask. I, the amount of students I would get, you honestly, it, it's you, you would giggle if I put my camera on for every lesson hi, what are you working on? And they would say, oh, I'm working on my takeaway. Well, I'm trying to get my hands higher on the backswing, lower on the backswing. Oh, cool. Why are you doing that? Oh, because it's just, it feels loads better. Okay, that's cool. But what, you know, why, what shot are you trying to stop hitting? And what, what shot are you trying to promote by doing that? Like, what's going to be the delivered difference that makes the ball react differently? And they'd say, well, I just, it feels so much better with my hands. They just won't answer the question. And it's not that they won't answer it. It's like they don't even hear the question. You know, I that's why I would always that was I was so early for a launch monitor in my coaching because I think all right, I can't be bothered to keep asking this question. They keep avoiding it or not hearing it. Hit 30 shots. Look, doesn't matter if your hands are high or not. You've got to stop that 20 yard curvature off to the right. Full stop. If your hands are high or not, that's not going to stop it. All right. So you've pressured me into telling you why I'm changing my takeaway. So <laughs> Go on, uh, we're good to friends. get more hole in one. We're good. No, not to get more. We're really good friends. So I'm going to share this with you. I'm changing my takeaway to slow down my club head speed because I hit it so far past you at the moment. I know you feel bad about that. I'm, tr I'm trying to remedy that. So I'm trying to slow everything down so I can be a short hitter <laughs> off the tee like like you. <laughs> that's uh, that's really the, that's, that's what kind. I think about so all like the time. Kind. Yeah. yeah. It's that's like your, your swing chains to be more of a, a better friend. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what, what this is all about. So... <laughs> So, uh, so I had another question for you around like making these changes. Are, are there, you know, we talked a little bit about mirror work and things like that, you know, uh, and I know this is so dependent on the kind of change that a player is making, but do you, do you use training aids with any of the students that you work with, depending on the change? Is that something that you like to use or is it something you shy away from? Uh, or is it just really dependent on the player? And, and that's just such a broad question to try and answer. No, but it's, it's a bit of both. I, I would say I'm not the massive fan of teaching aids. Um, I, I find them. We're not friends anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. As a general rule with teaching aids is I find that they don't. They don't help people when you take the teaching aid away. Like I don't see the pattern of them changing their patterns but then there are some teaching aids that really give people a feel if they can then translate it onto a swing is a much difficult more difficult question but it does make them go yeah i can feel that when that thing hits my arm or that thing hits my shoulder or whatever the teaching aid is or i hit that on the way back and i can feel how different that is but yeah i'm not a massive teaching aid 
person, but I wouldn't, again, every coach has their own style. I've seen plenty of golf coaches use teaching aids, you know, to really good effect with their students. So I think it dials more into what you want your student to focus on. I'm very much a mixture of both. If a teaching aid will help them, I'll use it. So, I would much rather yeah. than do it themselves to start. So I tend to use them more as a, they're not getting this. I can't make them feel this. I'm going to start bolting things on them. Yeah. So you said something there that's really interesting. And I, I don't know that I've ever thought of it that way. So I like uh, training aids. Um, and, yeah, you do, yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I love a good training aid. And I think it's because there's so many times, this drives me crazy about teachers where like I'll show up and, and somebody will give me a lesson and they'll say, okay, you know, you need to um, take your hands and bring them more inside. Uh, we talked about that earlier. Now I'm just using yeah. that as an example. And I'll stand there and, and I'll take a swing and I'll take it way inside. And I'm like, there you go. Like that is inside of inside. And they'll say that's exactly the same. It doesn't look any different. And I'll be like, you're crazy. That is so inside. It's like, I'm going to yeah. hit my right hip on the way back. It's so inside. And they'll show me on video and it looks exactly the same. And yeah. so when people, it drives me crazy when an instructor tells me, well, just do it differently because I will do it differently. Like you tell me to take it way outside, way inside, really short, really long. I will do that. And it feels like I'm doing that, but I'm not even coming close to doing what I'm, what I think I'm doing. And when I use certain training aids, it helps me to get that feeling a whole lot better. Um, I'm able to actually, you know, in a certain situation, I'm able to know exactly what it feels like to take it to the inside or get my hands yeah. in a certain position or whatever the case may be. And I think that's why I like that so much because I don't have the ability to just change the way I'm moving the club just by somebody telling me to do it differently. Uh, just, yeah. I don't work that my brain doesn't work that way. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, my general plan of attack with swing changes, it would be a tell them to do stuff like you're saying there that you don't like. And if that isn't working, then I would tell them to start the ball in a different direction. So I would try and use the exit of the ball to produce the different movement. That, that's the really good second I find that's a really good and sometimes first but often it's a really good second tack for someone who's not doing what I need them to do and then third I would be the teaching aid that's generally the route I would go I wouldn't go teaching aid first like because the other thing the, the, getting them to move the ball you know so let's say you've got someone who's launching the ball too high just getting them to launch it lower, putting things in the way of them, getting them to you know go to a fence where they have to hit it under a fence, all those kind of things. It's amazing how much people do react to moving the ball through a different launch window, um, which then in turn you bring them back inside and you show them on the launch monitor stroke video or whatever way you're trying to show you know, the measured difference, if you like. And you say, right, hit that shot under that fence again here. And they do it and you go, look, it's that. That's the move. Yeah, but that feels like I'm hitting a punch. Well, you're not. It's still peaked height here and it's still launched here. Right. Yes, it's a punch compared to how high you were hitting it. But that isn't a punch. Watch this. This is a punch. Do you see what I mean? So you can move the goalposts for golfers. And that's generally the route I go. I will go, just move the goalposts. 
some do and you think great they they can move it that's brilliant and then some don't you think okay okay i'm going to move the goalpost for you so i'm going to lower it move it right move it left move it higher whatever it is okay make you curve around it you know show me your biggest hook and it's a general draw and then if that doesn't work i'm third right i'm going to start bolting stuff on you like you can't be trusted here we go i'm going to put you in this literally this straight jacket of golf swings but i would never then not take that straight jacket off i need to know that that straight jacket can then be interpreted into something when you haven't got it on yeah That's interesting danger i find so, oh, yeah so you brought up get... something real um so i was for for a while uh, i have a setup and um, i've changed my setup a little bit where i hit um, i used to have a, a big giant screen and projected onto it and um uh, on that screen that I had, I um, put something in front of it, which um, showed different launch angles. So yeah. I measured it out. So I went from where the ball was to where this new screen was, you know, I put a mark on the screen across it, like 15 degrees, 12 degrees, 18 degrees. And I would take certain clubs and I would try to keep them under the, the, the 15 degree line, for example. And I would take yeah. full swings trying to keep it under. And you're right. It felt like a punch. It felt like I was, I was hitting little half punch shots trying to keep it low. But when I'd look at that on video, it was not a punch shot on video, but it felt like that to me. And that really helped me change and, and get some of that forward shaft lean you were talking about. Right. So yeah, I yeah. could get really flippy at impact. And I was doing that to try to work on that. But I want to go back to something you said a few minutes ago that there are so many things that players can change over the off season that have nothing to do with swing. And so working on strategy and working on mental game are two things that are absolutely huge. And you can do that at any time. And most every player is going to benefit from understanding those things and, and working on that part of their game. And I think some will, would benefit from those two items more than they would a swing change, um, depending oh, on the player. Honestly, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's one of my biggest changes. I would say through my life, I've gone from biggest changes in my golf life, being a player to wanting to coach, okay? And then wanting to coach to get in video. One of the first people, I think, in the UK, we had a video swing. We were about the second because we based it on someone else's. Then it was getting a launch monitor. I would have been one of the very early people in the certainly the world almost to have the launch monitors that I had because of the situation I worked in. And at the moment, I feel one of the biggest changes I'm again making in my coaching career and ideas of coaching is, and it's coming from people like you and from Scott and others is the understanding of what people are doing through actual data that they're delivering on the golf course. And then using those numbers, those ideas to play with people's ideas of how good or bad they are, to play with ideas of where they should be aiming, to play with ideas of what they should be expecting to do from different distances. And I look at that data that we've got, which is so in, in its infancy at the minute, and it excites me so much in as a coach to think, yeah, yeah, I don't like this guy or this woman, like this, these golfers could be so much better. And I don't even have to touch their swing because I can, you know, we've all done it as coaches. I think coaches would lie if they wouldn't. Uh, and there'd be plenty out there who would lie because there's plenty of coaches out there who want to hold their, you know, their, the person, whoever they're teaching's trophy up and go, look what I did. But I always think they're always interested in those coaches because where are they when they miss the cut? 
<laughs> I always sure. think is if you're going to mm. hold the trophy up when they've won, where are you when they've missed the cup four times? What are you holding up there? Because you seem to disappear then. That that used to always and still blows my head off as a coach. But for me, just having that more information about how people perform on the course through you know shot scope and what have you um is making me look at coaching in such a different way so many students i just think wow yeah we have so much low hanging fruit we don't need to touch your swing and like i say there'll be so many coaches out there who would admit that i've moved people's swings and they come back and say they're better and i think to myself i don't i don't i'm not sure you are better like your handicap's still the same but right. like you're happier. So that is good in some ways. You seem more confident, but you're still off 12 and you were off 12 last year and you're off 12 the year before when we started coaching. Yet you, you're getting older. So you're not going up. We could say that's a win. Sure. Um, where now I think it's so easy, not only for me to quantify if your delivery is better because we've got launch monitors. I can quantify if you're pushing in the ground in a way that might help you perform for longer and stay fitter and get the most power out of your golf, which is great. But at the end of the day, I've also now got the key element, which we didn't have so much before. Obviously, we could have used handicap, but that was based so much on if they played in tournaments, how often they played in tournaments, you know, if, what kind of tournaments they played, because some people were playing in non-handicapped events, you know, like mixed opens that they wanted to play better in and four ball better balls and match plays. Now I can say, you know, we are hitting more balls in play. We're hitting 20% more greens. We are having less putts. We are holding more putts from X distance. We are chipping more within six foot. I can say we've done this and let's reflect it on your score. Uh, and that's uh, that to me where I think some coaches may be a bit scared with that because it might, you know, it shows you up that they're not, <laughs> they're not helping you. Um, for me, that's just so exciting. I think that's, that's that's the best way for people to make swing changes as well going back to the original point of swing changes you know you, you need to move the needle if the needle isn't moving then you're playing golf swing sure yeah, yeah. And, and golf swing is fashionable you know go on youtube golf swing is fashionable golf swing is cool golfers love talking golf swing me as a coach, the biggest thing that made me not want to coach or certainly calm down how many lessons I was, was golfers not getting better. And that wasn't through, try, you know, me not putting my full effort in. It was it was students who didn't have the time to practice but wanted to talk golf swing. And they're, they're the worst lessons ever. Like, I need you getting better. I need you doing what I'm saying. I need you practicing what I'm saying. I need you going out there and coming back with trial and errors of what I said. I can't have you coming back every month going, oh, I've had no time to practice. Well, I'm not here just for a chat. I, I have goals. I want you to get better. Sure. <laughs> um, so I think that's the biggest thing for me personally, that you can quantify so many more levels of it now that you couldn't back in the days of when I was making swing changes of a young person. I would quantify it because I was competing, but so many, like I know plenty of, middle and older males that I teach and have taught over the years, you'll still talk to me about X, Y, or Z position. I just think your handicaps just gradually gone up as you've got older. Like that, you know, that backswing is doing nothing. It's not, you can keep talking to me about it, but it isn't achieving anything. So and, I'm going to, I just scrapped my backswing change idea. <laughs> <laughs> Done. 
right. What you need to do, the biggest thing you did, which I thought was great, and I think you'll do it for yourself as well, when I looked at your swing whenever it was, you sent me data of you in a 9-9, whatever it was, 30 or 60 shots. And yeah. then I told you something to do, and you sent me 30 or 60 shots. You didn't send me another swing back. You said, look, here's 30 or 60 shots, trying to do what you said, and they're a bit closer. And I, I remember when you did that, and I just thought, wow, yeah, that's so obvious, isn't it? Like, that's such an obvious thing to do. Yeah, you, Where, let, let's talk about that video you sent me. It was very, I still haven't recovered. It was very insulting. <laughs> you really gave me a hard time about my swing. I think you laughed at me a few times. <laughs> <laughs> tough love, Lou. It's called yeah, tough love. Is that what it is? Okay, perfect. Yeah, good stuff. So. Yeah, absolutely. So swing changes are fun. They're definitely, they've got to be a physical change, but at the same time, they are a mental adjustment that you need to be prepared to do. That would be my overriding um, tip, if you like. Like I'm going to dabble with this idea with my swing change, and I've done it before in the last lockdown. I played one, I'll give you an idea of how tough they are mentally to change. I dabbled with this loft delivery difference in after one of the lockdowns. I can't remember because we've had a few of them. Um, and we came out and played. I hadn't played for six or seven months because of lockdowns. Uh, and I tried this new technique. And guess how many hours it lasted? Guess how many hours it lasted? Nine holes. Didn't even last nine hours. Oh, wow. I got to like the fourth, fifth or sixth and I'd lost three balls. And I just thought, I, I just want to not, I want to stop losing balls and have fun. I haven't played for ages. I went back to my weak grip, went back to a little fade, skanking it short right. And I, you know, back nine compared to the front nine was so different because I didn't lose three balls in six holes. So I ran away pretty quick. Um, it's very easy to run away. So we'll see where I go, Lou. I, I'm, I'm going to, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm still thinking about it. But when it comes to swing change, you have to be mentally and physically in. Otherwise, you'll do what I do, which is run away. I, I'm just lucky because I had a safe place to run away to. Lots of golfers, it's an easier choice because their safe place that they run away to is maybe a place where they don't have much fun. <laughs> Does that make yep, sense? So I, does, I can yep. still have a bit of fun in my safe place, so I'm all right. But for lots of golfers, it, the safe place is back to it in 40-yard slices, which is just not fun. So they are more driven for those changes. Yeah. But I'll be intrigued to see where your takeaway goes as well, Lou. Let, let, keep us posted. Oh, I have a million things I need to work on this winter time. So <laughs> yeah. I hope to have a completely different action by next year. That's, that's the goal. Okay, I look forward to seeing it. Well, there you go. Thanks for listening, everybody. Let us know if you're going to make a swing change, if you have, and how major it was for you and how much emotional and physical turmoil did it put on you. Well, was it really easy? Like, I don't want to paint it all back. Some people, uh, lots of students, I've changed swings and they just start flying. Like, off they go and shooting better scores and, you know, it, it, it does really make a difference. So it's not all... Um, you know, six months of playing awful. It can be a few days of feeling awkward and your goal's great. But let us know. Thanks for listening as always. Hit those stars and as always, leave comments if you're loving the podcast. And uh, we can't wait to see you in the next episode.